Welcome to the Love Reaching Community's Sermon of the Week. For more information pertaining to the life of the church, please visit our website at lrcchurch.co.za. Psalm 21, the king rejoices in the Lord's strength. To the choir master, a psalm of David, O Lord, in your strength the king rejoices. And in your salvation, how greatly he exalts. That's what we did this morning. You have given him his heart's desire and have not withheld the request of his lips. For you meet him with rich blessings. You set a crown of fine gold upon his head. He asked life of you. You gave it to him. Length of days forever and ever. His glory is great through your salvation. Splendor and majesty you bestow on him. For you make him most blessed forever. You make him glad with the joy of your presence. May this place be a place where we always have the joy of his presence among us. For the king trusts in the Lord, and through the steadfast love of the Most High, he shall not be moved. Your hand will find out all your enemies. Your right hand will find out those who hate you. You will make them a blazing oven when you appear. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and fire will consume them. He will destroy the descendants from the earth and their offspring from among the children of man. Though they plan evil against you, though they devise mischief, they will not succeed. For you will put them to flight. You will aim at their faces with your bows. Be exalted, O Lord, in your strength. We will sing and praise your power. We are in the kingdom of God. We are co-heirs. We are kings. I want to say when, when you read a psalm like that, you should read something of the heart of God towards you, how He is for you, how His blessing is on you, how He, I don't want to say that He throws people in ovens, but it's, it's what is said here. But also when you read this, we're going into the book of Zephaniah now, and there's something of what David wrote here that happened to the enemies through the kings of the Old Testament. God stood for his, his nation and he stood against those that opposed him. And then eventually, unfortunately, the kingdom of Israel and the kingdom of Judah also succumbed to um, being destroyed because they didn't follow the Lord's ways. But Father, may your word always make us excited, make us curious after you, inspire us, convict us, be held in high regard, Lord. May we spend money on your word, Lord, because it is it is important to us. May it be a priority in our families, God. In Jesus' name. just want to say, 169 rand at Kum at the moment, ESVs, uh, fake leather bound. <coughs> Let's do this. Oh, people still reading Proverbs of the day? Proverbs 19? You know what stood out to me? Verse 18. Whoever gets sense, love. His own soul. Have you heard that thing about common sense is not so common anymore? I think it comes from Proverbs. He who loves sense loves his own soul. And he who keeps understanding will discover good. Proverb for the day. Just now, honestly, guys, who's reading Proverbs today? Come on, show me. This is amazing. This is so good. Let's double it by next Sunday, okay? Challenges out. Seven Proverbs for the next seven days. Let's do it. So we, we started, we're starting today with this thing. I've, my, my little abbreviation worked out to mom, but it's mine, a major on the minors. 
um, the, you know why I think about there's no minor prophet. If somebody heard the voice of God and was able to direct a nation, for me that's not minor. But I understand that it's in the context of a less recorded prophet and the books are classified like that. But we're doing majoring on the minor. So we picked Zephaniah because Zephaniah was there during the reign of King Josiah. I know these names also, they also trip me up, but uh, you're in good company if you struggle with the names. Zephaniah, Josiah. And Josiah was a bad king, but he was also a good king. A little bit of a change there, which is something we can be excited about, because I don't think God wants any of us to stay the way that he found us. Looking for Joseph for amen there, but nothing. Nothing. So Zephaniah has recorded some facts about it. We're quickly going to go through this. If you want more of this, you should have been last year at theology because Lainey covered all of it when she did the kingdoms and the Old Testament. Am I right? Yeah. But if you want more material, we've got it. So some of the, the commentaries say 679 to 648. Some say 640 to 609. Some say 625 to 610 before Christ. That the book of Zephaniah was written. We know that he was a contemporary of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, we know for certain, was 629 to about 560. So, so we know it's somewhere in that region. I can't tell you when the book was exactly done. Because I'm not as learned as the people that are struggling with it at the moment. But they say it's because of how you count the days according to the Julian calendar. Or the lunar calendar. It, it, it was written before Christ. Can we classify it as that? Yeah? And, and so I've, I've put it down as about 6.30 to 6.10. And what happened is the kingdom split at some point into Israel, the ten tribes, and to Judah. You guys all know that. There was a divide. The kingdom of Judah stayed in Jerusalem. You know this? So this book was written from that kingdom. So then somewhere... The kingdom of Israel is taken into captivity by the Assyrians. A couple of hundred years later, the kingdom of Judah falls to the Babylonians. Know this. Zephaniah is there in the middle between the the captivity of of Israel and the captivity of, of, of Judah. So he's almost smack there in the middle. That's when Josiah reigned. It's important because the context is important when we read the Word of God. I have somebody helping me with research. And um, the first thing he gave me is how to read the the books, the old prophetic books in in the Old Testament. And one of the first points is not every prophecy in the old prophetic books are going to be fulfilled in our age. You know, when it says the the nation will be destroyed, now we're all reading that, oh, the nation will be destroyed. Guys, it was fulfilled. The nation was destroyed. So when you read this book, you need to read it with the the, the one, one of your thoughts being what has been fulfilled historically, and then read some of it about, well, it could be fulfilled in our day and age. It's the 36th book. 36 book of the Bible. The fourth last one in the Old Testament. It is, it's only three chapters, 53 verses, 1,617 words. 
I didn't count it. I didn't count it, but I got the, the figure, eh? Listen, listen now. The four promises in the book, 86 predictions, 45 verses of outright prophecy, five verses of fulfilled prophecy, and 40 of unfulfilled prophecy. What does that mean? It means there are 40 things we can look out for in our time and for the generations to come. And four distinct messages picked up through the three chapters from God to His people. In chapter 1, it's all about the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord as you read it. It's, it's written, Zephaniah comes and he writes this book straight after the rule, or that's what we, we, we take it as, straight after the rule of King Manasseh. And King Manasseh was a terrible king. It was 40 years of absolute depravity in the nation. Nothing good. There was only wickedness. Historians say they were worse than the nations around them. They were supposed to bring God's standard into the nations around them. Instead, they succumbed to the nations and then go ahead and surpass them. Sounds familiar? Like the, the, the best democracy in the world. <clears throat> and now... So Zephaniah 1 verse 1, this is where we're going to park today with the book of Zephaniah. The word of the Lord came to Zephaniah, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Who wants to be introduced like that? Here stands Johann, the son of Johannes, the son of Johannes, the son of Johannes, the son of Johannes. Literally, I, I, all my, all my, my, <laughs> they were all Johannes. That's, that's why we, we got a farm and we don't have the farm anymore. That's how you want to be introduced, man. Come on. This is where we're going to park off today. He was the great, great grandson of one of the righteous kings of Judah, Hezekiah. We have a guy who hears God like a prophet who is also the lineage of a king. Pay attention. It's important. Royal families today going to digress a little bit. How many do you think are still active today? How many monarchies? You want to take a guess? Come on, shout out. How many? Five? Three? Twenty-eight. Twenty-eight families. Whether they're ceremonial or actually uh, they have any legislative or, or governmental power, uh, it, they say there's around about twenty-eight. Some, some people will tell you twenty-five because there are a couple of them that are principalities and grand duchies and I don't know, some, like the emirs from the, they're not actually monarchs, but they are monarchs in there. So 28 of them remain. Most famous one. Have you seen the latest uh, tabloids and the, the, the things? Kate and Will are now attending movie award ceremonies. The royalty is invading Hollywood, guys. 
Have you not seen it? Another bit of gossip. Harry has stolen Mike from Suits' fiance. Scandal. The prince has stolen the attorney's fiance. It's, it's hectic. It's crazy. Kate and Will are restoring the kingdom, the, the, the monarchy. They are bringing fresh life into the monarchy. They are everywhere. They are hands-on parents. They are raising their children. They have no scandals. They look good. They dress well. They are people of the people. How easily we forget. Less than 40 years ago, scandal upon scandal upon scandal upon death that shook this world. The, the, the princess of the world that cheated on her husband, the second in line, to the, to the throne. Him cheating on her with, I don't know, a lady. She didn't even cheat on him with royalty. She cheated on him with, it seems to be, riding instructors and things. Then she's thrown out. She's ostracized. Children removed from her. The death in a car chase. That event shook the world and we all sat in front of our TVs. I remember people crying like they knew her. How easily we forget. It's forgotten. How many here of the young people know who Princess Diana is? It is ironic today that a lady named after the goddess of hunters became the most hunted woman on earth. And all the photographers have blood on their hands. I remembered it. It's what her brother said. How easily we forget. We're celebrating the same royal family that brought us scandal and disappointment. Today they celebrate it. Manasseh did the same thing. His father was Hezekiah, the righteous king of Judah that brought back worship of the Most High God rebuilt what, what he could, and within 40 years, his great-great-grandson has to prophesy to one of his other great-great-grandsons to say, you better change the way of this nation or certain doom is upon us. You know, it's on each of us to make sure that the generation does not forget the ways of the Lord. That does, they do not forget the greatness of our God who is able to provide, heal, save. It is on us. You cannot be, in today's day and age, a Manasseh. You cannot. I wrote that it takes one generation. It takes one debauched, depraved person to ruin that generation. 
It takes one focus or distraction to derail and undo all the good that has been done and achieved. And it takes one thought and one moment for you to wipe out the good that you have done in months. One. The hope that we have is that it took one person hearing the voice of the God to bring reform to a myriad of people. A myriad of people. My second point, I said that context is challenging. And this is something where I really feel for Zephaniah. I, I, I think how this oak must have, strugg- must have struggled. Zephaniah. He, he is royalty. He can go and, and work the lands in Judah as much as he wants to. He stays of royal descent. The misfortune for him is that his great-grandfather wasn't chosen to be the king instead of Manasseh. But so, so he doesn't have the, the, the hope of becoming king. But he is a, he's, he's of royalty. He, his, his dad or his mom, his parents, were the brother or sister of the king that came just before Josiah. So, so he lived when the nation was in decay. He's probably a child. Probably seen his parents do what his uncle did. He probably thought, well, that's normal. That's the way that it should be. Now he's called to speak out against his own people. Not just his own nation, his cousins, his brothers. He has to tell somebody that the uncle that we have served as king, who gave us what we possibly have, who made sure that we have more land than the others, this, this was wrong. Like, am I the only person that struggled to speak to my family when, when it's difficult? Like if I have to go and say, no, I, I think what you're doing is not going to lead to life. I don't find it easy. That's what Zephaniah had to do. And, and I, often say this, I often say this to people, that all of us had, have hardships in our life. And it's not to, to make less of what you're going through. But it's just to say that we all carry some sort of a burden through life, don't we? But if you understand what burden somebody's carrying, you have a little bit more empathy for the thing. I don't know if any of his family members had any empathy with him at all. He was coming to say that, stop what you're doing. He was threatening the treasures of the family, the status of the family. The position of the family. He was threatening the, 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 the continuation of the lineage. He had to speak up about all of those things. Have you ever thought about that when you read the book of Zephaniah? Who's, who's ever read the book of Zephaniah? Come on, honestly now. It's not the lightest reading, is it? If you haven't read it, it's, it's, it's a bit heavy. Because he's talking about this context 
of it's difficult to speak into the situation because I am personally vested here. Are you personally vested in what God has called you to today? Does it still offend you when something is said against God, against Jesus? Have you become slightly used to blasphemy, cursing, things against what you are supposed to be part of? The nation was fraught with moral decay, social injustice, depravity, hedonism, godlessness, and senselessness. It was missing, 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 missing. What hope do we have if they didn't have any hope? We have Proverbs 19 verse 21 that says, Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many were the plans in the mind of man during the days of Zephaniah. But it was the purpose of Yahweh, the uncreated one, that stood. And we read about that today. Proverbs 19.23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. And whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. We have hope. We have hope no matter how hard our situation is, no matter how, how difficult our context is. We have hope because we have the fear of the Lord. We have the presence of the King. We have Jesus Christ in us. Last point, I called it from royal to righteous. And it brings me back to good old Will and Kate. <laughs> so I told you guys earlier that Harry has now hooked up or dating Mike's fiance from Suits. I think he is protesting because his brother keeps having children and he is moving further away in line to the throne. So what happened is when Queen Elizabeth passes on, then Charles will become the king. So that, that makes him first in line. Second in line is his eldest son, which is William. Before William had married and had children, Harry was third in line. So William and Harry both, when they are raised up, they get taught the decorum and the protocol of royalty. You act like this, you act like this, you do this, you do that. You do not, you do not go and have multiple affairs. And if you do, you hide it. That is, that is what, we've, we've seen this. You've, if anybody here is a royalist, you, you will know that is what we've lived through. Now Harry is moving further away because Prince George has now been born. And I don't know what the princess's name is. But they now take up slot number two, three, four, and five. And Harry is now six in line. You know that just because he is now further away from the throne, he still has to abide to the royal decorum and protocol. He doesn't have a choice. He is not allowed to break protocol. He has to live for the greater good of the family. The Windsor name must be protected. Zephaniah, no matter if he was 150th in line or 1150th in line, because 
you know they had many wives and many children. It doesn't matter. He had to live up to royal decorum and protocol. He couldn't decide today that now I'm not going to do it. Which means, in essence, he was speaking out not just about his cousin's naughtiness and his uncle's debauchery. He was talking about his own. The first person he had to take from being royal to righteous was Zephaniah himself. He had to realize that just because I am of certain lineage doesn't make what I do right. It, 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 what I, what, I'm not right because I have a certain surname. I feel like this morning some people are sitting here and saying, I'm of Irish blood, so I can lose my temper. Have you ever heard that? People say, well, that's just my, that's who, who, who I, I am. I'm a mayor. We will toil the soil. I do not toil soil. I really don't. I feel like God wants to remind us that you are not your lineage. You should be my righteousness, my expression here on earth. The second thing that he had to do after he took himself from royalty to righteousness, he had to step it up. He had to step up to his convictions. The easiest thing for us to do is to say, hey, I'm just, uh, no ways. I'm not going to be part of this. I'm out. No ways. I'm not going to Christmases anymore because everybody gets drunk. No more parties, nothing, because when there's a chop, there is a dop, I am out. I just, I cannot, I've been called to a higher standard. And you step out. Zephaniah did not step out. He stepped up. He pulled up his cloak. He ran towards his cousin, or second cousin, twice removed. And he said to him, this is the word of the Lord. Listen, the day is coming that if we do not turn from our wicked ways, and go to what God has called us to do. He's best for our lives. There will be certain doom and destruction. And if you and I think that Zephaniah only went once, and his cousin said, oh yes, of course, Zephaniah, you are from the righteous side of the family. We will all comply. We are mistaken. He had to persist. He had to show them that his life has been translated from royal to righteous. And he stands and he does for what he says. Zephaniah, son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah. Will you allow God to introduce you this morning? As Reuben, son of the Most High God, during the reign of Jesus Christ, the righteous, sovereign King of Kings. Will you allow him to introduce you? Will you step up when our lives, when it gets hard? When everything around you is pushing you to succumb? Instead of rise above. Will you step up? Will you find your conviction in the Holy Spirit. And your accountability in His church. We're going to have communion this morning.
And I've got three things that I felt God wants to deal with us, us this morning. I do not place myself above anyone here. I'm asking you this morning when we have communion that you realize that your situation is hard, but so is everybody's. Do not let your situation, your context this morning hold you back because you are slightly inwardly focused. Can, can I ask you to do that? So the second thing is, can you let go of what you are because of who you are? this morning this thing of I'm, uh, this is just who I am can you, can you let go of that just for this morning you can, you can pick it up again after the service but just for communion please can you let go of that can you in having communion this morning step it up say God I'm taking a step for you when I have communion this morning I want to find out what your best is for my life. What your best is for my nation. What your best is for the nation, but also my nation, my family, my sphere of influence. (laughs) Felt that somebody here will be living up to things that your family expects you to do. And I felt that God is challenging you to go against the expected norm. Specifically family. As you have communion this morning, can you lay that down? You deal with that. The second thing I felt is that some of us are stuck in our circumstances, but God is bringing His Word into the situation. And I felt this morning that if your situation overwhelms you at the moment, God wants to restore the the importance and the priority of His Word in your life. The third thing is, Zephaniah means hidden in Yahweh. But that word hidden is not just hidden. It's also protected and sheltered. And I felt that some of us needs to be hidden in Christ this morning. And that will enable us to step up and stand.